Good morning. What a great privilege to be able to share God's word with you on this wonderful Easter Sunday morning. I don't know if you're a fan of movies. If you are, you'll know that there is an oft-repeated moment in, in many genres, if not most genres of cinema, where it captures the return a, dr a dramatic return of the hero of the story. It could be the dramatic arrival, but often it's the return. It, often in a, in a moment of high tension, high drama, high struggle, perhaps in a moment where everything seems lost and you can sense a shift in the tone of the movie. Maybe the, the music begins to swell or perhaps conversely, actually, maybe the music fades away and ends up in complete silence as a shadow enters the frame or maybe filmed differently. You might see some feet just walking forward or you might see a face which is hidden, obscured by the edge of a hat or something like that until eventually in this moment of high tension as the, the, the audience are, are watching, holding their breath, thinking it can't be, can it? The, the camera pans up to reveal the dramatic return of the hero who is going to make everything okay again in the story. It's a great moment in cinema. If you're an Avengers fan, there's a wonderful video on YouTube which captures the, the, the crowd at a Chinese cinema as they are enjoying the moment towards the end of the Endgame movie called On Your Left, the On Your Left scene. If you, you're a fan, you'll know which scene that refers to. And it's a brilliant video because it's almost three minutes of screaming and clapping and cheering as hero after hero enters the scene again in this most dramatic way to bring about a wonderful conclusion to the story. This is what we expect when there's a dramatic arrival that will change everything. My friends, Jesus does things very differently. Very differently. Today, in a very special way, we are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. And in the Gospels, we read of his return appearances before his friends and disciples. And you might expect these to be incredibly dramatic moments. This, after all, is a once-in-history event. After what must have seemed like the most awful defeat and anticlimax ever imaginable. But as he said he would, Jesus rose on the third day. And the resurrection of Jesus, the Son of God, is the great cosmic Amen to the cry of Jesus on the cross when he said, It is finished. Evil is defeated. Death is beaten. These enemies of ours have been swallowed up in the victory of the risen King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So surely this Saviour deserves a dramatic entry. Well, miraculous, world-changing, reality-defining, yes. But dramatic spectacular, attention, hype. No, no. Jesus enters our lives very differently and I love him for it. We're going to spend our time in John 21 today, but before that I want to do a very brief run through of Matthew, Mark and Luke just to show that what we're going to look at in our passage in John is not unusual. 
in Matthew, I have to say, there is a dramatic scene in line with this world-changing moment that it is. There's an earthquake, there's an angel which, who has the appearance of lightning, but that's not Jesus. Jesus is about to come on the scene. And, and indeed, actually, that angel says to the woman, don't be afraid. And then listen to what we read from verse 8 of Matthew 28. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. I love that mingling of emotions. And they ran to tell his disciples and behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. I love it. Greetings, Jesus says. What a normal greeting that is. Uh, sometimes I just wish you could hear the tone of voice of Jesus. Was it a sort of fun, jovial greeting? You know, did he pop his head around the corner of a bush? Greetings! <laughs> and surprise them in that way. I think Jesus had a sense of humour. That could have been it. Or maybe it was a, a tender, gentle greetings. But I think we don't really know. But I think what we do know is that it was not a, a superhero-esque greetings. That's not Jesus' way at all. And then he says to them, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Tell my friends I'm coming to see them when they get back to their hometown. This is Jesus' appearance in, in Matthew. In Mark, the first thing the angel says is, do not be alarmed. Then Jesus appears to Mary. We actually don't get much detail there in Mark. And then he appears to two of his disciples as they're having a walk. And then he appears to all of his disciples as they are enjoying a meal together. Just these very normal, peaceful environments. And the risen Christ enters in. Incredible. In Luke... Jesus first appears during a little walk that two of his followers are taking to a place called Emmaus. And it is only when they share a meal together and Jesus breaks the bread that they realise who it is. And then later he stands among his followers and what will be his first words to them on this dramatic return? He says, peace to you. Why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your heart? Beautiful. And then in John, before our passage, the first word Jesus uses to identify himself is simply a, to call a frightened Mary by her name. For me, it's one of the most beautifully tender moments in the scripture. What a way for the risen Christ to announce his presence. Mary. She says, Rabbi, very precious. And then three times after that, on two separate occasions, Jesus says, peace be with you to his disciples. And that brings us to our passage from uh, verse one of John chapter 21. It's incredible, isn't it? As you look across these accounts, what we, just the ones we've already considered we often rightly marvel at the humility of Jesus in his arrival as a baby. But even after this epoch-defining wonder of his resurrection, still the Lord Jesus comes in kindness, in gentleness, in normal circumstances, alongside people, speaking peace to them. My question for us to consider in this time is, how is the resurrected Lord Jesus approaching you today? Whenever you watch this 
time that we have around God's word. I have to say it probably won't be in an earthquake and with a booming voice. Please do hear me. It's true that one day Jesus will return once and for all, coming, as it says in Matthew 24, on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And no one will miss that. That will be a spectacle. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But in these days, in these days, today, he has revealed himself in these gospels that he often comes quietly to us in the normal places with beautiful questions and lovely invitations. And this is what we see in John chapter 21. And I just very briefly want us to look at the four ways that Jesus engages with the disciples here. We see from verse 1, John is very intentional in marking the way that Jesus reveals himself. He says this, After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. So it's, it's almost like John is saying, it's not just the events are important. I want you to notice how Jesus comes here. And uh, the disciples here are back in their hometown, and they go fishing. And once again, they catch Nothing. I do sometimes feel for the disciples. Do you ever think these fishermen just wish that maybe just one time in the gospel accounts it would show them doing a decent, uh, productive day's work? But, but here they are and they've caught nothing and we come to Jesus' first words in this chapter. So we'll just read uh, verses 4 and 5. It says, Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? Children, do you have any fish? Jesus comes not with lightning or with fire, but he comes with a conversation starter, with a question. And we should ask, why? Why, why does he come like that? I mean, for one thing, he knows the answer. We know he knows the answer. Uh, yet again and again in the Gospels, Jesus comes and asks people questions. There's a kindness there, isn't there? You ever spent time with someone and they just repeatedly ask good questions and before you know it, you're opening up and sharing with them? Jesus is kind like that. The, the, the Son of God is, is coming here, not just with a de declaratory truth about the wonders of, of who he is, but he's drawing people in with questions just about normal life like this. And the other striking thing here is that he meets them on their terms. I mean, whether they have caught fish or not, is not really the biggest issue in the world, is it? I mean, at any times, and certainly not in the context of what we're talking about here, Jesus knows the incredible events that have gone before. He knows what is coming. He knows the mission that these men are about to embark on. And yet, he meets them with a question about their current, normal, boring, frustrating life moments. Maybe, friend, that's where Jesus will meet you. Perhaps even while watching a YouTube video in whatever normal frustrating circumstance you're in, he may come and say to you, 
How are you getting on there? How are you getting on? He can and does break into these moments in our lives. Ask for God's help to tune in to his voice, for ears to hear as it's put in the Gospels. And Jesus comes in this moment and he comes tenderly in this normal way and he comes tenderly calling them children. This is not a throwaway word for Jesus in the gospel. Only twice does he call his followers this. And I think it just speaks to their situation. They're vulnerable here, aren't they? Aren't they? they can't even make their, their day job work for them. And they're in that place of discouragement and disappointment. And the risen Christ comes and calls them children. Children. He seeks to meet them where they are with a question about normal life. I wonder, what would he ask you? My child, how are you feeling about lockdown easing? Are you feeling okay about that or are you nervous? My child, how's your work situation just now? My child, how's your health in this moment? My child, how are you sleeping just now? My child, what friends do you have? Are you lonely? My child, are you happy in your soul just now? My child, what's worrying you? May we hear the tender, engaging questions that God might ask us about the toils and the struggles of our day-to-day life. And secondly, may we listen to his simple guidance because the second thing he says in this passage is, he says, uh, we'll read on. Do you have any fish? They answered no. He said to them, here's the second thing he says, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. Look how Jesus draws them in to this miracle that he's working. Remember, these are the very earliest encounters with the resurrected Lord Jesus. You might expect a certain display of power here. If, again, this were a a superhero movie, you'd expect the hero to simply lift his hands. And the the fish themselves, dozens or, or hundreds of them, would rise from the sea just at the display of his power. Make no mistake, Jesus could have done that. But that's not his way. He draws them in. Just wait, friends. Try something else. Try a different way. Trust me, friends. Listen to me. Follow my steps and wait and see what happens. We can relate to this, right? So often we've been toiling, perhaps all night, like the disciples had been. We're desperate for a big change to come out of the darkness, out of the the place of struggle. A big shift. Perhaps we're even desperate to be removed from that situation altogether. Well, here, Jesus' miracle is not to catch all the fish himself. It's not to whisk them away from that scenario or or to make them rich so that someone else has to catch their fish for them or, or anything like that. The miracle here is that Jesus comes alongside them and says, keep going. I'm with you. Just try this little different way. Just try this change. This is our God, friends. In his resurrection power, he draws us in to what he's doing. 
He doesn't need us. He doesn't need to do that. He doesn't need to work that way. But he wants us to be involved in the miracles he has to do. Listen to his guidance, unspectacular though it may feel at the time. He always knows what's best. Always knows what's best. Listen, what's he inviting you to do? Make a small change. Try this. I've got you. Trust me. Wait and see what I'm going to do. And then moving on, what we have next is, is one of my favorite moments in the Bible where John tells Peter, hey, it's Jesus on the shore. And when Peter hears this, we, we read in verse 7 that he puts on his clothes, which is weird because normally in the movies, if someone's jumping, jumping from ship to sea, they take their top off and jump in. But not Peter, he puts his clothes on. And then it says he threw himself into the sea. That doesn't sound like the most graceful dive, does it? And then it says uh, that the other disciples came in on the boat. And I always have in my mind the picture of Peter flapping away in the water as, you know, fully clothed, trying to get to shore as the boat just slowly drifts past him and the other disciples just waving at Peter as he swims away. I, that's classic Peter to me and that's the way I picture the scene anyway. But they get back to the shore and here are the next words from Jesus in this passage. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. This is beautiful. The setting here is crucial. There's what burning? A charcoal fire is burning. There's only one other place that a charcoal fire is mentioned in the entire New Testament. Do you know when it is? It's three chapters earlier where Peter warmed himself right after having denied that he knew Jesus because he was in fear for his life soon before Jesus was crucified. This is no mistake. This is no coincidence. The question that this provokes is what is going to happen in this scene? What will Jesus do in this scene? If it were a different God, you might imagine that this scene was arranged to be the place where Peter's, Peter's denial finds the judgment and condemnation it deserves. There would be a, a, a dramatic uh, picture force to that, wouldn't there? Now that, now that the victory is won, perhaps a different God would want to settle the wrongs done in the, that, were, that were done in the awful run-up to the cross with this sort of poetic irony. But this God is not like that. This Jesus is different. This drama that Jesus is drawing Peter into here is not a moment of condemnation. This is a scene of restoration. It will be a place of undoing the wrongs that Peter had done against his Lord. And while that conversation will come in the later verses, we see Jesus invite Peter into that place. And he says to him, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. <laughs> what a great God this is. I mean, first of all, he already has fish cooking. We're told that from verse nine. And also... The fish that you have just caught is a very generous way to describe that, isn't it? Again, what we see here is the invitation of God 
just, Peter, just bring what you've got to me. Yes, there's shame that we'll talk about around a charcoal fire. Yes, anything good that you have to bring to me is a gift from me in the first place, but I'm inviting you to come. Now come, bring what you have to me. And as we now come to the final words, we, we hear Jesus' final words in this passage. It says, Simon Peter went aboard, hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. And then it says here, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and so with the fish. Come and have breakfast. As we come to close now, this is the invitation of the living God. Let's eat together. Let's share food together. You're welcome here. Before the important, difficult conversation that's to come, before the solemn warning of the very difficult circumstances ahead, Jesus says, come, let's eat together. Do you think of life with Jesus like that? When we think of, for example, the forgiveness that we need day by day, we should think of not only the cross of Jesus Christ. Certainly we should, but we should not only think of that. We must look, as my friend Glenn put it, to his resurrection and his patient and wonderful restoration. Yes, look not only to the cross, but to the resurrected Christ and see the beautiful way he restores us back to fullness of fellowship with him. God says to you this week, come, let's have breakfast. Let's have lunch. Let's hang out. Let's be together. Bring what you have, my child. There's no better place for you to be here, to be than here with me. Jesus invites us in. How is the resurrected Lord Jesus approaching you today? In some ways, we sometimes would wish, or at least we think we would wish, for, for God to show up in a dramatic, bold, spectacular appearance. And he may, he, he may return today. We need to be ready for his coming. And that readiness comes as we recognize that in the day-to-day -day normal circumstances, this is how Jesus often comes to us, in humility, in gentleness, in the unspectacular normal moments of our lives. He is there speaking to you now. My child, how can I help you? Try this way. Bring what you've got, and we'll talk about the struggles of the past. Let's rest together a while. How will you respond? God bless you.